Hello everybody, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So today we are talking about Horizon Zero Dawn in preparation for the new game Horizon Forbidden West. It's coming out soon. So excited. Um, so there's a lot of stuff coming out in the near future and I still have some other stuff I want to review and I missed that last week though. So first up, announcements. And I did that in wrong order. Not well. <laughs> uh, anyway. I've decided that since I missed last week, and I kind of want to catch up on a few other things that I've seen recently, um, I'm going to go ahead and do two more reviews this Saturday and Sunday. They'll just be bonus reviews for this month. Or I guess they'll just be, you know, getting the reviews I was originally going to post out for this month. Uh, and those are going to be the sequel to Differently Morphous, uh, Existentially Challenge, I believe it's called. And the uh, new Netflix show, Archive 81, which I really enjoy and want to talk about. So those two are going to be coming out on Saturday and Sunday, respectively, and then we'll be doing something on Tuesday as well. Um, just a little bit of bonus stuff, I want to let you guys know. So, now that we've done that, let's get into the review. So for those of you who don't know, Horizon Zero Dawn is a open-world uh, game that came out in 2017, originally on the... PS4. It was also released in 2020 uh, for Windows on Steam. And it started out as a PlayStation exclusive. The new game is going to be a PlayStation exclusive, although it's also going to be on the PS4, so um, hopefully I'll have my PS5 in time for that. But um, yeah, it was a really fun game when it first came out. I actually really enjoyed it, and I've been looking forward to this sequel essentially ever since. It was one of the first PS4 games I played, so um, let's get started on it. This is the non-spoiler section of the review, for those of you who want to know. Uh, I'm going to focus mostly on gameplay and a handful of story things, but nothing beyond, like, the prologue section. So, the game starts out with a character named Aloy. And she lives in a sort of post, clearly post-apocalyptic world. Let's be real here. It's not really a, a secret. Basically, humans are living in these uh, tribal civilizations... But there are, you know, giant ruins of the modern world all over the place. And there are, in addition to small woodland creatures, there are also robot animals. Um, which, you know, seem to be shaped like actual creatures and animals. And they're uh, constantly roaming about the land. Aloy's tribe hunts both the machines and animals for parts in order to live. You know, creature animals for food. Uh, machines for, you know, bits and wire and machinery. Uh, that's basically the main gameplay gimmick, too, is that you have to hunt down these machines and get past them. All the machines are actually built like machines. Aloy stumbles into an old ruin, uh, an old world cave, and finds a basically a smartphone in a little guitar pick, puts it on her forehead, and she can suddenly get an AR display. A lot of sort of scan machines and stuff like that and learn from uh, records left behind by the old ones. Aloy is currently an outcast for her tribe, being raised by another outcast, because of mysterious circumstances related to her birth. If she wants to become a full member of the tribe and earn the right to uh, get answers from the elders, the matriarchs, she's a, she needs to win this contest called The Proving. So she trains her whole life. You know, you get some, you know, scenes of her as a kid. Um being outcast, no one's allowed to talk to them, they have to live out in the wilds, and you catch up with her shortly before her proving, where she has to go hunt down this beast to prove to her foster father that she's good enough to win the proving, 
and she's allowed into the village for one day to compete. And as long as she finishes the proving, she becomes a brave and a, a warrior of the tribe and a full-fledged member. But if she wins, she gets to ask anything she wants of the, you know, the head matriarchs, the high priestesses, essentially, of their religion. Who believe that they were all created by this mother goddess. Um, midway through the proving, like, at the very end of the proving, after she wins, um, Aloy and the other kids are attacked by the this strange cultist group who identified her by someone at the festival who also had a focus and seemed to have uh, seen her. And so she has to go find him, figure out why the cultists want to kill her just because she looks like someone else. Because the matriarchs bring her into like the old tunnels and stuff like that. She gets scanned by this old door and says, and she basically has a 99.9% match for this strange woman. And from the get-go, you're like, okay, so she's like a daughter or a clone of this person. Because she looks exactly like her, and she sounds exactly like her, and she has a 99.9% DNA. She's a clone. Like, that that's... We know this from the beginning, but the characters don't, because they don't even know what a clone is. Um, And it becomes very clear very quickly that the world ended at some point. There was some kind of post-apocalypse, and these robots are eventually, essentially left behind. But it's really weird, too, because they're all new and shiny, and it almost seems from the cauldrons and stuff like that, they're being continuously built. Like, the factories are still going long after the humans are dead. <clears throat> In addition, there are strange corrupting machines that can, like, hack into and take control of the machine beasts that the strange cultists have been raising from the dirt. So Aloy has to go out into this wider world, hunting hunting creatures as she makes her way towards major cities, hunting down those who had a hand in the slaughter, and trying to figure out who she is, who's this strange woman who she keeps seeing, and what happened to the world. Who is she? It's revealed shortly before she leaves that she was just found there in the caves as a baby. Like, no one's allowed in there, only the high matriarchs are, in front of this strange metal door. And that's basically the whole plot. Um, as the story unfolds, you learn more and more about this world, you get help, you get allies, and the final revelation is really good. I focused a lot on the story right here just because this is a really good story. I actually really like it as a game and as a story. The gameplay is fun. You hunt down metal beasts. Uh, the gameplay is based around stealth and laying down traps, uh, identifying the weak spots of machines using your focus, setting them up, learning... Uh, the focus can identify their patterns, so you lay down trap tripwires, you set them up, you fire just the right time, lead them into traps... Hit them with elemental damage, stun them, knock them on their side. You can even bind them to the ground. There are lots of different tools to go about attacking each creature. And each beast has their own methods of taking them down. Some of the more herbivore-like beasts are really easy. Some of them aren't combat-heavy, but they're really dangerous in other ways. For example, you have the spotters, who are a lot more attentive than other creatures, constantly looking around on the edges of the herd. And then you have those really annoying freaking birds... That are constantly flying all over the place and firing ice at you. Which, yeah, okay, I hated fighting those things. And of course you have the giant metal T-Rex with laser cannons. That you have to figure out a way to take down later on. Which is just awesome. The gameplay is just very, like, distinct. Okay, so you're hiding, you're setting up. And now it's time for the big action fight. Now that I'm ready. Every fight seems to be like that. Now it can get a little tiring when you're trying to just get to a quest at times. And some of the beasts are me a little cheap. Um... Like I said, the birds are just really annoying, especially in this one part of the quest when this guy just calls, like, five of them to this area, and they're constantly peppering you with their attacks. 
But for the most part, the only problem I have with the game really is that it's too easy. Like, it wasn't really that hard. I actually replayed this game recently on Ultra Hard Mode New Game Plus, and I just powered through it. Like, I didn't even do any side quests. I just ran straight there, straight through every main quest. And yeah, I had some really overpowered gear, but there was supposed to be Ultra Hard Mode New Game Plus. This was supposed to be the thing that you use the really hard gear for. And it just wasn't that hard. Um, Aloy's a fun character. I like her. She's kind of like this overly critical self-perfectionist at the beginning, which I really like, and she comes to, into her own, more confident in her own skill set and her understanding of the world. She also um, sees herself as an outsider from the Nora, and there was this really, really good scene later on that I'm going to talk about later, but um, all in all, they do a great job of characterizing her and making her a likable character I'd like to see come back. The gameplay is really solid, has a nice core to build around, hunting machines is really fun. I liked hunting some of the rare ones, like the Metal T-Rexes. Those are always cool to take down. It always feels like an accomplishment. Again, the only thing I could say is maybe a little more difficulty, but hey, we have the next game for that. Now that I've talked about all this, um, we're going to rate this. I'd say I'd probably rate this like an 8 eight or a 9. It's not a perfect game. It suffers from a lot of the problems of over open-world bloat. Um, replaying this, I know it's just how much stuff is on the map. And yeah, there's a lot of content. But not all of that content is great. No, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of quests that are a lot of fun. But I feel like the overall gameplay doesn't evolve much once you get the full toolkit. Like, once you've taken down a robot T-Rex, you've basically done everything. Like, once you do that, and there's a DLC, I guess. But in the main game, once you can take down a T-Rex effectively, you're essentially going to be good. You can just, like, go do the main quest. You're ready to do the main quest. Like, overly ready at that point. And the main quest itself only has you face some of the more dangerous machines with allies. Like, the T-Rex you fight with a bunch of Nora hunters, and the um, this giant old-world, like, killer robot, uh, more typical killer robot tank thing that you find in the final battle. Even though the arena's really good, you fight it with, like, four allies, and it's just like, eh. In addition, human enemies are really annoying to fight. I hated that. Just outright, it's probably the biggest thing that drags this down to probably an 8 in my opinion, is whenever you have to fight humans, the hitboxes are terrible for humans, um, they're constantly moving on weird ways that just are not intuitive to aim at, and yet you could argue, oh well that's difficult, it's like no they're not, they go down in one hit, they don't do a lot of damage, but you just miss shots, like I would literally hit people, fire shots right at them and they'd just be like, nope, miss, it didn't feel challenging, it felt cheap. So, human enemies, not great. Bit repetitive in the late game. Um, but overall, a really cool gameplay experience. I really liked it. I would love to see something like Breath of the Wild influences. I really thought they took notes from Breath of the Wild, because I think a lot of things Breath of the Wild did could prove to be very useful in Horizon Forbidden West. So I'm really looking forward to that. All in all, looking really looking forward to the sequel. Let's get to the spoiler talk. Ooh, boy, there's a lot to talk about here. Okay, this is probably the most interesting apocalypse ever for me. This is like my favorite apocalypse. So what happened was um, human civilization got into a golden age after a bit of a slump in the early 21st century. Yeah, feeling that. Uh, <laughs> but we rebuilt it better and we had advances in machinery that helped us, you know, fight back against climate change, which was still a problem then because, you know, this is the world we live in. Uh, <laughs> and um, they, you know, they built miraculous, they started doing true AI and all in all, the world was looking pretty good. However, one of the top scientists who had helped with this golden age, Ted Farrow, got a little greedy. 
and started offering his technology as military contracts. Eventually, even the U.S. government was, even the U.S. military was basically entirely automated. However, Pharaoh's latest machines went rogue. They were a specialized machine swarm that could operate independently and could absorb biological matter, shred it up, and use it as fuel in order to build more machines. Essentially, once they went rogue, they had such impressive security that it would take 50 years to crack. They would gray goo the planet in 16 months. So, he called in a former partner of his, Elizabeth Sobeck, who rightfully chewed him out as a completely freaking idiot and informed him there was no way to save the world. The world ended. Now, you're wondering, well, okay, some there has to be a twist here because you're fighting in a new world full of lush greenery, animals, humans, and giant killer robots. So, something happened. Something did. See, the biosphere was going to be destroyed, but there was a chance they could rebuild it. So, what happened was that they built a giant terraforming system and attached an incredibly complex AI called Gaia to it. She would basically act as Mother Nature. Once she generated the codes in 50 years, she would have the ability to assemble machinery to broadcast the signals, shut them down, and start terraforming the world. After all the humans were dead. She would she was stored with embryos and genetic samples from countless species, including humans, in order to reproduce the world as they once knew it. The robot animals are actually uh, the machines Gaia would use for terraforming. But shortly before Aloy's birth, she received a mysterious signal. It caused all her subroutines, which were named after the Greek gods, you know, Minerva, Hephaestus, Apollo, stuff like that, including one called Hades, which was supposed to destroy the world if Gaia messed up the terraforming process so she could start over, and basically gave them sentience. They broke away, and Gaia had to basically self-destruct and prevent Hades from destroying the world right there. She also created Aloy as a clone of Elizabeth Sobek, her creator, in order to, out of the hope that she would find the Master Override and stop Hades, who managed to get away from the self-destruct, along with the other now AI subroutines. So, Aloy, as a genetic match to Elizabeth Sobek, restores the corrupted registry to the old Guardian, finds all this out, and gets the Master Override so she can deactivate Hades, which is the AI that is now manipulating itself as a god or a devil figure to this cult, in order to get them to activate the Pharaoh robot so he can, you know, um, get with the whole scrubbing the earth clean thing. Of course, Aloy manages to stop it, shut it down, but all the other subroutines are still loose, and they're dangerous. The reason all the machines have started attacking people, and you have things like the laser robot T-Rex, out of what was supposed to be a terraform machine, is because Hephaestus is now an AI whose only goal is to build and protect machines, and its best way of protecting machines is by, you know, uh, letting them kill humans and be really good at it. So now Aloy has to, you know, go rebuild Gaia's uh, original original facility, reactivate her, and rein in the subroutines, and that's going to be future games. It was a really interesting and fun story that kept me guessing. Um, and when I figured out what happened, like those final logs, when you go into, like, the final facilities and you actually understand that Operation Enduring Victory was just this front to buy time. The U.S. government literally told its citizens they were building a super weapon to stop the Pharaoh Plague, but they actually knew at the top they weren't. They were throwing U.S. civilians and soldiers and anyone they could ha- take at the Pharaoh Plague just to buy a few more hours, a few more months, a few more days of extra time to get the terraform machine done. 
Because they were already dead. But they had to ensure life for another generation. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, honestly, it's just depressing at one point. You get this log from uh, the general who approved the plan. And they're recording like the future knowledge of Apollo, which ends up getting wiped. See, the reason that all the humans don't know about all this is Ted Farrow, feeling really, really guilty over, you know, destroying the world, decided that technology was a um, a curse, a plague, and that humanity couldn't be trusted with it. So after Elizabeth Sobek sacrificed her life to get Gaia up and running just before the Pharaoh play, just in time, uh, she had to sacrifice herself to close a port door that wouldn't close all the way in order to prevent the robots from detecting it. The other uh, programmers in charge who were putting the final touches on Gaia were killed by Pharaoh after he destroyed the Apollo system, which was designed to, you know, give all the knowledge to humanity so they could, you know, become the advanced human race from what's new instead of this tribal society. And he killed them all. So Apollo was erased. But there are some records we get of, like, things that were supposed to be added to Apollo. And this is a recording, this sad recording of the general uh, who approved Operation Enduring Victory. And we've seen him a few times at this point, always being like, you must fight so that we can live. I am sorry to say this is a lie. We are doing this to save what we can. And it's this moment of just, like, talking very silently. It's like, I need this put on the record. I need, I need the future generations to know what I did. To know why I did it. And to know I make no excuses. I committed an atrocity, a war crime. The worst, one of the worst crimes in human history was caused by me, and it was so you could live. And he's not, like, proud of it or anything. He's, like, ashamed that he told millions of people that there was hope, that they might be able to live if they only fight a little bit longer, knowing that not a single one of them was going to live. He sent billions to their deaths. And he's actually sad about that, even though he knows it was the only way to do what needed to be done. And I like that. All the characters, even the hologram ones, have a very distinct three-dimensional self to them. And the entire old world just has this air of sadness about it. Like, a civilization that did so much greatness, but despite all that it did, it was destroyed by itself. Not by some, like, advanced power they couldn't control. No, their own hubris, their own idiocy. More specifically, the agency of Ted, Ted Farrell. Screw Ted Farrell. Uh, he did all this, and then he destroyed humanity's knowledge forever. There's actually this uh, old, there's actually this new um, character, this character we meet halfway through the game called Silence. He was the one that was helping Hades before he figured out where he was, and that he was going to destroy the world. And he's basically a scavenger trying to figure out what happened to the old ones. He's essentially an archaeologist. Uh, and when he figures out that Ter Ted Farrell did that, he's like, this must be the most evil man to have ever existed, to have denied us our birthright. And yeah, he's, he's reasonably pissed. Um, and if it weren't for Ted Farrow, the humans wouldn't have been able to take over for Gaia. Instead, because of Ted Farrow, Gaia wasn't able to interact with any of them. Um, and eventually, once, once they were grown up, she couldn't teach them, so she just had to let them out of the, the bunkers uh, into the wild. She literally had to release, essentially, teenagers that had only ever been raised by robots out into a brand new world full of giant robots and, you know, animals, wild animals. 
So basically what I'm trying to say is this is all Ted Farrow's fault. <clears throat> um, all in all, Horizon Zero Dawn is a really interesting world. It's really fun to puzzle out what happened to it. And I really hope they include something like that mystery element into Horizon Forbidden West. Like we uncover more of the secrets because there's still a lot to uncover. There was a mysterious signal sent to Gaia and it caused her subroutines to become AIs? What the hell? Like what happened there? What was going on? I would love to figure out. I really hope we get some answers to Horizon Forbidden West. Can't wait to play it. So yeah. This is basically it. Um, sorry if this is a little, this podcast episode doesn't sound great. My voice is still a little raw. I've been like pausing constantly and having to cough. So I do apologize for that. Um, hope you guys, see you guys soon. I'll be releasing those episodes on Saturday and Sunday morning, respectively. Look for those. See you guys next time. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. And thank you for listening to the Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.